Welcome to episode 62 of the Daniel Yours podcast with today's guest, Rashad Latouche. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Rashad Latouche, good buddy from a while back, good back in the in the training days of every single hour of the day. It's good to every see you, day, man. Every hour, accounted for, 100%. No wasted time, 4 o'clock wake-ups, 10 p.m. leaving the gym, 9, 9 p.m. leaving the gym, but hey, we had a good time. Exactly, exactly. Cafe Dell, ca- proud Cafe Dell member. <laughs> Shout out to Cafe Dell, and those who get it, get it, and those who <laughs> don't get it, which is most of you, just don't worry about it's it. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> good time. Though. It's good to see you, man. You look good. Same, same to you, man. Same to you. Long time coming. Thank you. Um, well, just go ahead and introduce yourself to those who don't know you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Oh, man. My name is, uh, my name is Rashad Latouche. Uh, I am a registered massage therapist now. I've been doing that for about six years. Uh, prior to that, I went to uh, Laurier University. I was playing football there. We have a, a few common friends from that that I know from that time. Um, so from Laurier, finished my kinesiology degree, pretty much went right into uh, massage therapy school. And, and I've been practicing since. Um, worked out of a bunch of locations, a few gyms. That's where you and I met, of course. Um, and right now I'm just uh, in a, a clinic setting and then I do my mobile clients as well. And then I teach as well. So I, I keep myself busy. Rashad's got Lots of jobs. Always, All, yeah. always keeping himself busy, always on the go, and just like finding more ways to 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 help people in different ways. And I think the teaching thing is like such a good aspect of that as well. Yeah. I mean, I you know, it's funny, I had an aunt uh growing up who always told me I was going to be a teacher. Um, I always thought I never had the patience for it. But when I was in school, especially for the massage therapy thing, um, you know, tutoring just kind of came fell into my lap. Um, I tutored my entire time there. Uh, the, the teachers that were there at the time noticed. And when they were short uh, person, a, a teacher's assistant, they called me. And I did that for, I would say, about a year and a half. That turned into a lead role. Um, and then, yeah, now I'm at the school that I'm at now. I, I lead quite a few classes, but I'm used to the uh, curriculum. So I can kind of blend into different classes. Uh, and, but it's worked out for me. It allows me to kind of give my hands a little bit of a break. So I'm not teaching. I mean, I'm not treating all the time. Um, and I enjoy kind of seeing people learn, helping people learn and um, helping them to kind of reach their goals. So it's it's worked out for me. I've, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that people don't really think about for massage therapists or manual therapists of any kind is like saving your hands. Like for myself as a trainer on the floor, when I'm not treating people, I'm not really putting my hands on people. Like, yeah, I'm on my feet and whatever. And so my job is quote unquote physical, but like nothing in comparison to what you do where you're, you're got your hands on people all day. That sounds terrible, but you know what I mean? (laughs) But your hands, your hands take an absolute beating. And so you really gotta, you gotta really gotta manage your time and the amount that you're working so you can continue to do this for the next 20, 30, 50 years, if you want to. You know, it's a constant question. You know, I'm only six years in. It doesn't feel like a lot of time, but it's a constant question. I'm even starting, you know, to to ask myself in terms of how long, you know, can I do this for? How long are my hands going to be able to, to do this? And so teaching definitely allows for another avenue of, you know, A, revenue and B, staying close to the profession. Um, so like I said, it's, it's worked out for me and, and I think, you know, the balance of the, the treating and the teaching will definitely allow me to, 
you know, kind of stay in this, you know, profession for a longer period of time. Yeah, for sure. And and I think we'll come back to some of the recovery stuff because I think that's going to be a large part of this conversation and how yeah. you take care of yourself. And, uh, you know, I've seen you doing the 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 sink ice baths for your hands and, and all those kind of things. But I want to take a little bit of a step back in time. So playing football, um, why massage? How did you come to that conclusion? Was it Was it that always in the plans or was it just happenstance that you fell into it? You know, massage definitely wasn't always in the plans. Uh, when I was in university, I had a great athletic therapist. I had a few great athletic therapists and I even had, uh, excuse me, a good one when I was in high school. So going into university, having the kin background, I thought I was going to do athletic therapy. I wanted to be in that role where I had a team or a, a, a multiple teams whether it be at a school um, or, you know, even a professional level where I could say these athletes were mine. Um, The kind of more information I got into athletic therapy. And like I said, I had a good, a good relationship with, with my ATs, uh, the harder I found it would be to get into that role. Um, You know, a lot of schools, you know, once you, once you get into that, environment it's almost hard to leave unless you want to leave so it's one of those things that you could be in that spot for 10 15 years if you wanted it so i started thinking how can i get into that position if these schools kind of already know who they have so like i said the more information that i got the harder i thought it would be to end up in that spot and then at that time athletic therapy wasn't covered under insurance So my athletic therapist was actually in school to do the massage therapy program so that she had that ability to use insurance for their client, for her clients that she was seeing. So my thought was why, you know, why not just jump into it? Um, So that's kind of what led me into massage therapy. Our, Our school at Laurier at the time, we actually had a massage therapist who would come in like once or twice a week and, um, treat the athletes as well. And I had a really bad uh, hip flexor strain uh, my first year and he definitely helped me get back. Uh, there were some brutal sessions, but he definitely helped me get back. So I, I knew uh, from that experience that, you know, massage was definitely something that athletes could use as well. So that gave me even more confidence to kind of go into that direction. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, probably early on you think massages if you don't know anything about it it's like oh i just go get a massage because it's fun you don't really the first thought for most people is probably not treatment therapy and maybe not for athletes right we think about athletic therapy but then when you you know you grow up a little bit and you think about it it's like okay the leafs have an athletic therapist the argos have an athletic therapist the jays have an athletic therapist how do i insert myself into that now we know that athletic therapists can treat non-professional athletes and there's a whole group of people for that and like they are great at that as well but that's not like that's not why you would maybe choose athletic therapy per se right all manual therapists of course are great but it's hard to it's hard to come to that realization and i think it's so common with all of us that you know we had some type of injury yours yours was your hip flexor it's like oh i had great therapists that helped me and then i wanted to do this right yeah yeah no for sure for sure um you know and like you said like it's one of those things especially with massage like like you said, the first thing you think about massage, it's the relaxation, it's the spa. 
Um, it's, it's those types of things. So even when I was in school, having a better knowledge of, you know, why therapy is important, I would like, I would go back to Laurier, you know, during, during, um, summer camp and treat guys, you know, and, and let them experience something that's a little different. Cause even when you're like, Oh, you're a what? You're like, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to be a massage therapist. And they're like, what's that going to do for me? And, and so, you know, having guys dealing with, you know, sore hamstrings and the, and the Charlie horses from practice and, you know, being able to show them like, Hey, you know, my hand, you know, we can work on that. I can do some things to kind of help you recover with that. I can make you cry if you want to, you know, <laughs> I could, I could put the elbow in your hamstring if, if you want to, but that's not always necessary. So it was definitely, uh, it allowed me to gain experience. And then at the same time, it allowed them to see like, you know, massage therapy in a different light. So I enjoyed the the couple, the couple summers I was out there for that. Yeah. And especially difficult in a sport like football, where it's very alpha male, very tough guy, very like I'm the toughest guy on the field and I'm tougher than anybody else. And I'm tougher than all the other sports, than the hockey players, than the soccer players, than the the cross players and everything. And so hard, hard, uh, hard shell to break there. That's for sure. For sure. For sure. And, and, you know, uh, there's, there's obviously, there's a lot of females in massage and I'll probably jump in a little bit ahead there. But one of those things that you, they, I have found that they deal with is when it comes to pressure, like, can you give that deep tissue massage? And I find most women can, um, but even in university, uh, a lot of our athletic therapists were, were female. So it was one of those things. It was like a rite of passage. If you made a, a guy cry <laughs> to do your job. Right. So I, I knew that very early. Even when, so when I went back to, to treat, it was like, okay, your thigh. Okay. Let me, let me see it. And then, you know, you could take me a little bit more seriously in that role. So no, it's yeah. good. Yeah. And something you, you luckily didn't have to overcome as much because you are a big, strong guy. Like you were a football player before. And so people don't look at you and be like, oh, you can't, you can't, you're not strong enough for me. Like people look at you and probably like, okay, yeah. you got to take it easy on me more, more than anything. Right. And you know what? I found that most, a lot of people, when they ask for like something like a deep tissue massage, they don't even really know what that means. Like, <laughs> yeah what a deep tissue massage like generally means is that you like pressure. Like you don't want the, the, the feather light touch stuff, which is completely fine. Um, you know, but when they ask me to actually give pressure and it's like, Oh no, 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 that's too much. And like, well, I know that I just needed you to know that and just (laughs) kind of let me, let me do what I'm supposed to do. Um, so yeah, my, you know, it definitely comes, it helps, you know, my size definitely helps. That's funny that you gotta you gotta kind of make them hurt a little bit to be like, oh, this is not this is not what you wanted, and I told you that, but now you know. Like, yeah, like this is not what you really want. Just let me. I you told me what you needed. I did my assessment. I know what to do. Just just let me work, and and let's let's see if it works for you. Have you found that, like along these lines, that some people think of a massage therapist as maybe not as qualified as an athletic therapist because it doesn't have athlete in the title and it's not, you know, something like that. Has that been something that you've encountered? It's not something that I encounter from my patients more than it is like society. Like Mm. it's something as simple as insurance, right? You have multiple insurance companies that will say that in order for you to submit massage under your benefits, you need a doctor's note. You have to go to get a doctor to sign off. And the doctor has to say, 
you need a massage. That is not something that comes into play with chiros. That is not something that comes into play with physiotherapists. So massage therapists are definitely on the lower end of the totem pole from a from a therapist perspective. So like I said, it, it comes more from society than it does from my clients. I think when my clients come and see me in particular, like they're expecting, you know, my back hurts work on my back. But when I say something like, well, I have to assess you. And they're like, why do you need to assess me? Mm. I was like, well, how am I supposed to know why your back hurts if I don't assess you? That's not a question that comes up if you were to see a chiro or if you were to see a physio. So that's something that's normal practice. Um, so that's kind of where those differences come into play. Yeah. And, and partly is, you know, you're right. It's society. It's like you go you know, to a beach vacation. There are people who walk up and down the beach. Oh, you want a massage for 15 minutes and it's not a massage. They just kind of rub your back and, you know, put some oil on you and it feels good, but it's not a massage. Exactly. What you are is a, is a therapist who uses yeah. massage as your tool, but like they're two kind of different things. And I think that exactly. it's important for people to kind of realize that a lot. 100%. 100%. Now, I, I want to also talk to you about your football career and like and transitioning out of that athletic career. Now, this is a conversation I had with with Elena, who is your yeah, friend as well. Yeah, and yeah, and Elena also went to Laurier for people who listen to the podcast a few episodes back. What was that like for you? Was that was that tough for you transitioning out of athlete football player Rashad to not athlete Rashad? You know what's 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 crazy is I had a good idea of you know the things that I wanted to do. So I gave myself when I was in university, uh, of course, the goal was to play professionally, but I knew I wasn't going to be the person that was still trying to do it when I was 30. Right. So when I graduated, I did my um, free agent camps. I did two years of free agent camps. And then when, not, when nothing stuck, it was I'm going to do massage therapy um, from a, from a emotional or, or mental standpoint, I, you know, I've been an athlete for as long as I could remember football was always my escape. It was my way to, um, vent when I had a rough day, I had football, right. I could tackle someone. I could get that anger out. I had, any of my scheduling, my goals was always attached to football. So when, when that was removed, uh, my, the biggest things I felt like I had to, um, uh, work through was more on the emotional side. Like how do I work through things when I wasn't a talker, you know, I didn't have to talk during football practice, but now that I can't hit someone, I have to talk. So my girlfriend, well, now fiance at the time, uh, I told her really quick, I'm like, you're my new football. She didn't understand what that meant. And, you know, at the time it probably wasn't the most healthy thing, but I, I put my attention into her, right? Like, what does she need? What does, what does our relationship need? Um, and like I said, that didn't, that didn't work out for us, <laughs> uh, in the, in, in a, when I think about it, um, but it, that's where my mind went. Like it went to, I put everything into her when I couldn't put it in the football. Right. Yeah. It, it, in hindsight, maybe it wasn't the smartest idea or, or worked yeah. out the best, but like, it's what you needed at the time. And, and it's not, that's not like a small thing to say either because you needed it. And, and we all, we all need that outlet. And when you're so attached to that thing and something that is as physical and as tangible as football is, and I've never played football and I've never mm -hmm. played a sport that's like less 
physical. I, I'm trying yeah. to struggling to yeah, think yeah, of something awful. like, I don't know, what's a good example of like figure skating, right? Like you're not yeah. hitting people. There's no like rah, rah, like getting all the amped up and all that kind of stuff. It's still a sport and still valid and like, don't come after me for that stuff. But it's not as, it's not as tangible. So when you, when you remove that, you have to, it has to be replaced with something. And so you've got to find, you got to find outlets to that. And as well, I think something you touched on there was just the logistics of it. Yeah. Previously it was like, I got football practice this time. So I got to do my homework at this time. I got to get this chores done at this time. And then after that, it's like, I don't got practice. I don't got to recover from a game. I don't have to travel. So I just got so much time to like do stuff that like almost nothing gets done. Yeah. Like I, I'm still a very scheduled person. Um, and that's probably why I, I do as many jobs as I do. I fill my day up because if I'm not working, like, I feel like, you know, it's not always relaxing to, I, it's not always relaxing to not have something to do for me. Mm -hmm. It's always like, you know, what's the next thing. Um, and that's probably because of how detailed my schedules were like growing up, you know, from, excuse me, from high school it was you know it was school it was football practice it was you know driving to scarborough for you know summer football practice or or fall football practice come home homework from like 9 to 11 go to bed by 12 wake up do it again so I've, i've always you know had that type of structure um so yeah like you said like when you remove that you definitely or i definitely had to find something to fill that time with and how long would you say that it took you to really kind of get over that athlete identity? Get over is maybe strong of a term, but come to you terms know, I, with I still my my fiance would still laugh at me because if someone was to bring up a football conversation or like, oh, we're shad in high school or or what I was like, I can go right back into that <laughs> into that time <laughs> yeah. and I can give you almost every detail. Um I don't I don't think it took me too long to, you know, be, to not define myself, like Rashad, the football player, like that title. Um, I think I, I think I still kind of have it, Um, you know, depending on where people know me from a lot of times, the first thing that they know me for is football. So I was that guy, you know, in high school, like, or my last name, there's not too many Latouches, you know, out there. So, when you say that name a lot of times it's attached to football at this point though like like i said it just doesn't define me that was just a fun time in my life and i'm i'm definitely past that so i would say it took a couple years though for me not to sometimes get emotional about it Mm -hmm. um but right now it's it's more of like that was a fun time that was those were good times so yeah that make that makes a lot of sense, and and I think it's probably good to still be able to still be able to go back to those like in your head and reminisce about those days and still kind of pull it out tangibly when you need to. Yeah. Like like I've seen you train and you train for real. Like when you work out, you work out for real. You're not really like you know messing around kind of thing. Home workouts and stuff different, but like when we were in the gym, like you had some pretty serious workouts. And I gotta imagine at at some point it's like you know you turn on the athlete for that hour just to just to get through that training session and like you because you need to feel it and you need that for yourself um what do you what do you think about that no no it definitely part of that a is that structure like i'm still at a point right now where if i don't work out sweat some something over like a two-day stretch i feel weird like i feel like everything i ate is in front like i can see it in my gut like it's just one <laughs> of those things so i have to work out i feel like that is just something that 
A keeps me happy, B keeps me sane. Um, a big transition though that I did have to do, and that was pretty early on into my massage schooling, was realizing that I couldn't train the same way that I could as a football player, right? For me to walk into a gym, do five sets of five heavy squats, uh, used to be nothing. So I would do that, go to the gym like six o'clock in the morning, get my workout in before school started. And then by the time we finished lunch and it was actually time to practice our massage therapy skills, I couldn't move. My legs were fried. My chest was fried. My shoulders were fried. So I had to definitely adapt my training to a more uh, endurance functional type um, training. Like I, I rarely max out anymore. I probably haven't maxed out in years. Um, mobility is way more important to me. And I think that, uh, carries more weight with what I'm doing for work, but that was definitely an adjustment as well. Yeah. You're, you're training for real life. Now you're not training to be the biggest, strongest, fastest player on the field, which is great and fun, but you can't possibly train and recover from that training while you're not, while your full-time job essentially is not to play football and recover from football. 100%. I think there's a lot of people that really do hang on to that though. And people who see athlete workouts and want to train like an athlete and they try and go and kill themselves in the gym. They wake up at four o'clock in the morning, go to the gym, but then they sit at their desk job for eight hours a day. And it's like, well, why am I not getting bigger and stronger? Why am I always injured? And that's, that's probably exactly why. I had a, I had a client today, you know, literally had a client today. He's trying to, you know, get himself back in shape and his shoulders you know, you know, did something to his shoulder, told him like, listen, you have to back off the weight. Like you, you just have to back off the weight. We got to get your range of motion back before we start building up. See him, you know, three weeks later, he's like, yeah, I was trying to do these pull-ups and I'm like, why are you doing pull-ups? Like <laughs> that's your, that's your whole body weight. That's not going to work. That's just going to set you back. So for some people, if they have a goal in mind and, you know, if they don't know the, you know, the, all the details, all they see is what they see. And that guy has the body that I'm hoping to have, and he's pushing nineties. So I got to get to that point without, you know, having, you know, the foundation or the knowledge to know how he got to that place in the first place. How did he get to those nineties? So that definitely is another reason why people get hurt for sure. Yeah. And and it's a lesson that you, you kind of only need to learn once you only need to well, push it, push it over the edge too far. And, you know, you, it's, I think it's, it's almost nice to, to find the limit. Sometimes the only way to find the limit is to cross it sort of thing. But then once you do, it's like, okay, now I know not to, not to go near there and I can just stay where I'm at and slowly, slowly increase over time or, or whatever it is and set a more realistic goal for yourself. Yeah. But people are stubborn. And if they weren't stubborn, then I wouldn't have clients. So it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a balance, it's a balance of both. Yeah, that's for sure. That and and it gives people like you a job. But I mean, even if you were recovering properly and training properly, like massage still has a place, and all like therapies still have a place. Like it's just part of our regular maintenance care. And even if you were working out intelligently, we still sit too much. We still have all these things in our life that is just a part of like the way the world is now. Yeah. And so we have to overcome these things. And and massage is like one of the one of the great tools that we can use to do that. For sure. For sure. Now, along these lines, it is still just a tool in the sense that if I go work out, do dumb stuff, sit all day, don't care myself, and I come see you, even if I come see you every single day, like that's not really fixing my body. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about like some of the self-care and the the homework side of things and the way that people need to take care of themselves instead of relying on 
someone like yourself as as their crutch to fix all of their problems? I think like most things in life, it's it's never one thing. Um, you know, when it comes to healthcare or or living a healthy lifestyle, if it was only diet, then you know, more people would, you know, be eating healthy. I say that to say like it's there's multiple things that come into play. So for me, when I see a client and a client has an issue, um, like I said, it always starts with the assessment. So we have, we can have a better idea of where that pain is actually coming from. I'll do my hands-on work. And then the ending part is, is home care, right? So these are some things that you can do at home to help um, continue the progress that we saw in treatment. Because if not, if you go from the hour that we had on the table, right back to the things that you were doing, then you're just, we're just going to continue the same cycle. So for me, home care is really important. Um, I try to emphasize that with my clients. I try not to overload them with too much at once. So, you know, three exercises, three good exercises that they could, that they can do again, just to help continue the good work that we did in treatment and setting out plans and goals in order for them to, um, you know, kind of guide themselves to where they want to get to. But if they're not willing to do the work themselves as well, then they're just going to, like I said, come, come back to see me and we can keep doing this vicious cycle. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely, there's definitely a self-motivation portion that definitely has to come into play if if you are trying to fix a problem. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's always the hardest part. It's way easier for me to just come see you, lay on the table, do nothing, let you do all the work, and then I go home and feel like a million bucks. And if that was the case, like all massage therapists would be millionaires because you'd 100%. fix a lot of the problems in the world. 100%. 100%. But we, we got to do stuff at home and we have to like do things on our own. And that's the hardest it's always the hardest with training. It's the same, you know, it gets, you work out three, four, five, six hours a week, but you eat McDonald's and chocolate chips all week. You're, you're no weights coming off. That's just not how it's not how it's going. You're not getting stronger. Like all the things, right. You sleep two hours a night, not, not helping you. So we always gotta, we always gotta find ways to motivate people to, to do these things, which is the, which is yeah. the harder part of our job and the, and the part that we're not really educated on per se. Yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I like to joke that I am, uh, but, but I'm not, but like I said, it's, I think it's about putting those variables in front of them. And then at the end of the day, it's their choice in terms of which ones they want to accept. And if they want to listen, uh, if not, like I said, I'll, I'll just see you next week. Yeah. And, and it's different for everyone, obviously, with whatever you need. And one thing that you mentioned there is a good segue into it is the the aspect of playing psychologist. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, you're not a psychologist. I'm not a psychologist, but we get very intimate relationships with with our clients and patients and you more so because you're very hands on with the person. I'm not touching people and stuff, mm -hmm. queuing and whatever, but you are not or you are. Sorry. So I, I want you to talk to me about your experience of the the power of just of touch human touch and this may sound like a little woo woo a little out there yeah. for people but like when you put your hands on someone and you can feel something that's going on or or you can help them through that human connection what is that like i mean think think about when you're a kid right just to start off let's take massage off the table for a sec but think about like when you were a kid you know, and you were upset and you ran, you know, to your parents and your parents gave you a hug, your mom rubbed your back, your dad put his hand on, on, on your head or something and kind of told you things were going to be okay. You can have an, 
a sense of what you know simple touch can can do so if you do you know meet a massage therapist depending on the setting that's also you know that's something else to come into play but if you are creating a relaxing setting for your client you can imagine what uh, a positive touch a light touch and the benefits that it can bring to a person before we even get to you know the actual you know injury right you you set up a, a massage therapy session you know working from kind of the lightest techniques to the deepest and, and back out so we have a set of principles that we follow when we're making treatments uh and that those intro touches that ability to kind of uh, set the framework for the entire treatment is is very very key right it's it's always important and you know like i said some some clients dive into that and feel that a little bit more part of that has to do with why they're coming in in the first place uh, but i have found with my clients the longer that i have seen them the you know the 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 deeper kind of the relationship is without kind of crossing any boundaries or anything like that but you know they view massage therapists the same way like you have your barbers or your hairdressers like i i only have one barber i have like one trainer i have one doctor i have one massage therapist and so you know that relationship definitely becomes important yeah i totally agree and very well said i think it would even you know, it starts before you start the treatment, like you walk into the person's house or they walk into the clinic and you shake their hand and say hello, like it starts there. If they, for whatever reason, feel uncomfortable in that scenario, when they do get on the table, they're going to be tight and tensed up and like not relaxing no matter how hard you dig into them. They're just fighting you the whole time and, and maybe they're trying to relax, but for whatever reason, the set and setting is not allowing that to happen yeah. and so it's it's a very it's more holistic than than is you know surface level that oh, it seems. For sure. i have to often one of my a phrase that i say at least 10 times a day is let go yeah. right and it was just like what do you mean like your head is off of the table like <laughs> i have a full palm between your head and the table let your head drop down let your shoulders go right and most people don't know that they're guarding like they don't even know part of that could be the pain that they're in part of it could be just you know the unfamiliarity with with me and them so it is something that doesn't always come the first treatment it may take a session or two um but it is some it is it is a real thing yeah and 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 important for people to realize that as well if you go to see someone the first time and it's like Oh, I couldn't relax. It's like, well, you're likely, you're likely not going to be able to relax the first time. Yeah. Even the best massage therapist in the world would, you know, it's still a, it's still a new person. It's still a stranger who's putting their hands on you and like digging into you. So there's, there's gotta be some rapport that's built up over a little bit of time there. Yeah. My, my first treatment, my first session with the client is probably always my most important, um, because for me, it sets the framework for them to know a, the type of therapist that I am and be kind of what, the type of experience that they are going to get from me, right? Like I, like I said, therapists are different. I'm very big on assessments. I'm very big on movement. And you can see that very quickly, like with the way that I do my treatments. So clients have a very good idea early, the type of therapist that I am. If it, if it works for them, great. If it doesn't, then they know, 
early. I'm not trying to take your money or, or waste your time if, if I'm not what you're looking for. Um, but communication is always going to be important because if you tell me what you're looking for, then I can always maneuver and, and do things different. But that first session or that first treatment is always, you know, very important to me. Yeah, absolutely. It sets it sets the stage for for everything. And and of course I'm biased towards it, but I enjoy the way that you treat with movement mm-hmm. and like you combine these two things, having trained people and been an athlete yourself. It's obviously a big part of what you are and, and who you do. Um and, and I think that it's a good way to describe it you said earlier about describe prescribing three movements, not something that's overwhelming. If you were treating a pro athlete who's like, Hey, I got to get back on the field in three days. Okay. Maybe there's like a lot more things yeah. that we can do, but a regular person doesn't have six hours a day to focus on their recovery. So they can't, they can't do that. They're barely going to do those three. So why are we trying to force more on them? You, you have to meet it. You have to try to meet a person where they are. Um, I see a variety of different clients. So what I do with the single mother of three right, is going to be different than the, you know, single firefighter who, you know, doesn't have any other, you know, obligations once he gets home besides sleep. So you have to take that into account. You also just don't want to overload a person. They're not going to even remember five exercises if you give them five exercises. So I found three is a safe zone and then we can build on top of that. But definitely, um, a person's home life, you have, you have to understand that you have to take that into account because at the same time, um, if I know someone's that busy, I know they're probably not even going to do the exercises. So for that person, listen, just here's one exercise you can do at work, right? You're not even going to do that at home. Here's one thing you can do at work when you're on your lunch break, when you go to the bathroom, set a timer on your watch every two hours. I just want you to do this one stretch. You don't even have to get out of your chair. So you definitely have to take each person's circumstances into account. Yeah, that individualized approach is inevitable and it, it's in everything that we do and always a very common theme on the podcast for sure is like, you know, no matter what we do, we can have these general principles. And when we speak non-specifically about a person, we have to speak in generalizations. But if there's a patient or a, or a client or someone in front of you, everything needs to be catered to that person and to the, the, to the person listening you can't take any general statements from this podcast or from any other thing that you ever listen to and just automatically default apply that to your own life without thinking about it in the context of your own life, right? It's, and that's at the same time, like you need to do that, but it's the hardest thing to do is yeah. applying it to yourself. No, for sure. Can, yeah. can, can't agree more. Yeah. Now, as far as the, the like the home care side of things, so there are a lot of recovery tools that that exist. And I think uh, I'd like to kind of go through some of them and have you just kind of talk on them and how you use them and how, again, speaking in generalizations, how people can can utilize them. So things like the Theragun or the, the percussion massage instrument. Now, and I'm not talking about the brand specifically, but yeah. So how should people use that? How do you use it in terms of home care with, with patients? I, I tell my clients, like, let's not rely on one thing. Right. So you enjoy your Theragun. Your Theragun doesn't substitute stretching. Right. Like it just it doesn't substitute stretching. Um, It doesn't substitute strength training. It's a good tool that you can use in combination with other things. So rarely do I ever tell a client like, you know, if that's something that works for you, great. But sorry, I do tell clients if that's something that works for you, 
great, but let's not just rely on that. If you relied on that, then you really wouldn't need to see me. But there's a difference between, you know, from a scientific perspective, you know, the amount of relaxation that you can give yourself versus when you passively allow someone to move your joints through ranges of motion. So I'm very much into you know, different types of therapy, like whether it be, you know, the physios, the acupunctures, the chiropractors, if it works for you, great. Um, but I'm very much from a, like a, a multiple approach. So for something like a Theragun, I would tell my clients, don't just rely on the Theragun, you still need to stretch, you still need to do other things. And this is why. So I try to explain that so that it's just not, you know, verbiage or junk out of my mouth. Yeah, no, that that's very it's very well said. And I mean, it is just one tool, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Theragun is great, but it doesn't it doesn't stretch you. It doesn't it doesn't tr- improve your strength. It does what it does and it doesn't do other things. And that's okay. That's not making it bad or good or or anything else. It just does what it does. And we need to understand what that tool what that tool does. So I I'm actually a little more curious like what does the Theragun how much does it differ? How much does it equate to like you putting your hands on on an area and, and, and digging into it. Obviously it's not as good, but like, how can you kind of reconcile between the two things? So with the, with the Theragun and and at least from my understanding of what the Theragun is, it's going to use vibration right within the joint and within the muscle to help with uh, joint nutrition, as well as, you know, helping to decrease tone or pain within a muscle. Now, for me, or, or kind of the way that I use the Theragun when I have it, like I said, I just use it as a tool. Uh, some clients like that vibration. So that's another way to help them to relax. And I don't have to use as much hands-on work to get a tone, to get a muscle to settle down if I can use that that tool. So that's a, that's something that I incorporate to my, um, to my treatments. At the same time, like I said, if you're doing that on your own, there's only so much um, give that you can uh, give to yourself or you can allow your muscles to give when you're doing techniques to yourself. That's why having a second party, whether it be, you know, a massage therapist, a fascial stretch therapist, having someone else move your joints for you, there's a different level of relaxation that the body is going to give off to allow us to move you into greater ranges than you can do for yourself. So um, I kind of feel like that's where therapists come into play. Again, rather than just the Theragun on its own, I, I go back to say like the therapists, the Theraguns have their purpose, but again, it's just not the end all and be all of it. Knowing the line, I think, is a is an important part as well. I I know many people who have injured themselves with their Theragun or foam rolling, whether it's a foam roller, the rumble roller, or lacrosse ball, and they just think, you know, more is better. I can tolerate the pain. They just dig in and just like keep that Theragun like digging into them for hours, and then you know the whole area is bruised and their injury is worse. And it's like, well, what did you? What did you think was going to happen? You were just hammering yourself. Exactly. And so like there, there is, yeah, there is probably something to like, you know, going in a little harder is going to have some more force and some more communication, if you will, quote unquote, to, to the area, but there is a limit. And that's where someone who actually knows what they're doing can apply these tools correctly. Uh, again, like that, that I bring that same idea back to the, the pressure 
you know, standpoint. I like deep pressure, but then, you know, when I put my elbow in your hamstring, that's too much. Of course, yes, of course it is too much, right? Your muscles can only handle so much at a time. And I do see that a lot where, you know, someone's like, oh, I use my Theragun for an hour. Why, why? <laughs> you know, that's too much. If it, if, if, if it hadn't resolved itself in a shorter period of time, it, it's not going to happen in an hour, right? Same thing with lying down on a, on a hot pad or sleeping with it, right? And then oh, you wow. wake up and you, you, you have burns on your back, right? There's, there's, there's uh, limits and rules and guidelines to any of these modalities. So, and if you don't have a good understanding of it, then definitely that's where self-harm can definitely come into play. That's one that I hadn't heard before is sleeping with a heat pad on. That's, that's new to me. Sleeping with a heat pad is one. Sleeping with an ice ice pad is another, like, or, or ice pack is another. Like, I, I find that you, or even even when you're, when I was in school, like, for the massage therapy program, they're like, you you need to be literal with what you tell your clients. Like, if you tell your clients to ice and you don't give them a timeline, right, like, that's where, oh yeah, I slept with my, my heating pad. I slept with the tensor bandage on and I came and my, my hands were looking, looking crazy in the morning. And it's just like, I, I literally have to baby feed you information so that, you know, some of those things don't happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, they, it's, they think it's, it feels good. You use the ice, you use the heat, it feels good. So why would I not prolong that exposure if it feels good? But like I said, there's guidelines for everything that we do. So yeah, to, to no fault of anyone's own. I mean, like if you no, if you no, don't no. know better, like how would you how would you know? It's like, oh, this this ice feels good or the heat feels good or the whatever feels good. So more should be better. Like, right? Exactly. Why not? Exactly. And and my thing is like, I've said this a lot recently, but it's like people will do anything to help themselves except the hard stuff that actually works. So sitting there with the Theragun is really easy. easy. Going to sleep with the heat pad on, it's really easy. And they will do that to the nth degree. And if this, you know, I'm not calling out anybody specifically, but if the shoe fits, then this is about you. So, you know, you'll do anything except the stuff that that really matters. Eat healthy, move your body a little bit more, stretch, do any semblance of a warm-up in your workout. Like, these are the things that matter, but they're just a little bit harder to do. And so, it's just so hard to, 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 to actually do them and follow through with them. It, it takes time to break habits, right? So, when you have that quick fix, it's very easy to jump to that quick fix and stay with it. Um, but, you know, the... It's, it's like, it's like when you're trying to lose weight, right? Like, um, you know, if you're going for that rapid, you know, the rapid change that I want to lose 20 pounds in a month, you know, it's very easy that even after you do that to put that weight back on. Like we saw that a lot of times when we were, when we were in the gym, we preached that whole, you know, taking that progression, um, you know, maybe one pound a week, as opposed to 20 in a month, because it allows the body to get used to those changes so it doesn't fight back to it feels like it has to protect itself and go back to where it was so it's the same thing when you're trying to introduce um you know new exercises or new habits or stretching to someone's routine who doesn't normally do it that's another reason why you know those three exercises as opposed to 10 is better because introducing small changes uh, or I find there's more likely to produce longer lasting effects than overloading a person at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. And, and 
especially true I've found with therapy, like in, in my own experience with my own injuries is sometimes, you know, you want to do more because you feel like you can kind of tolerate it. And then, you know, you do whatever exercises and stuff on your knee. Oh, the therapist said, you know, do, do 10 of these. Well, I think I can do 20. It feels good. And you wake up the next morning, get swollen up like a balloon. And you know, it's, it was telling you not to do that. And he's like, okay, learn, learn that lesson. Won't do that again. Mm -hmm. Now, another one of these kind of like home recovery things that people like to use in various forms is hot and cold. And we've touched on it already a little bit already is, uh, you know, ice and and heat, whether it be sauna or ice bath, if you want to go extremes or uh, ice packs and heat packs, where do you fall on the like heat versus ice spectrum? So I'm, I'm, I'm pro hydro (laughs) hydrotherapy. Uh, if you understand what it's being used for, like there's um multiple studies out there some that say ice has no effect some say ice is helpful i am someone who uh likes to prescribe ice because i've seen the benefits of it on myself i'm very much going to you know prescribe things that i would prescribe for myself so you know in the early stages of an injury i have found ice to be more useful with regards to pain management, decreasing swelling, such and and, and those things. Uh, When a situation or uh, an injury is more chronic, then we go to more the heat side. And in between those, that's when the contrast therapies of, you know, a little, you know, two minutes of ice, two minutes of heat or two minutes of heat and one minute of ice. uh, That's where those things come into play. But I am, I am very much pro hydro uh and more than anything it's because it worked for me now if it didn't work for my client then we find other things to we find other things like we find other outlets or other sources that we can use to help manage pain most people don't like ice just period like me telling you to put a bag of ice on your ankle that's not comfortable so because it's not comfortable they're not going to run to that as a resource but if you explain to them listen ice is beneficial because of x y and z maybe you change the protocol um to allow them to handle the ice a little bit better that's always something else that we can go to you don't always have to just sit there for 15 minutes you can change the cycles up so that it's something that is more easy it's easier for you to handle um, but again, yeah, I'm, I'm very pro, I'm pro height ice, I'm pro heat. I just try to explain why I'm prescribing either or to my clients so they have an understanding of it. Yeah, of course. It, it, it's a, it's a kind of a hotly debated topic. And there's yeah. people who are like never ice or never heat. And it's like, well, hold on a second. We can, you know, what do you know? The answer is probably somewhere in the middle and, and an individualized approach. I like the way that you said that you know, it's worked for you and, and on your own body and in your own experience as a professional. Cause I, I think the same for me, you know, as I got a little bit older and read some more things and it's like, Oh, ice isn't all the, you know, the be all end all. And you should be using heat. And I was like, well, I don't know. I used ice a lot and like mm-hmm. it worked for me now. And that's not to say that maybe heat wouldn't have been better in those circumstances. I can never go back and test that on myself, but, but it, it still does work. And, and even if it's only just pain management in terms of numbing it so that you can get to sleep, that's still valuable as well. If I can sleep a full eight hours at night because I numbed my ankle with, with some ice, not using uh, medicine and other drugs, then then that's valuable in the recovery process as well. I'm, I'm very pro um, 
prescribing my clients things that I've experienced myself. So even down to chiropractors, the physios, the, the ice tubs, the saunas, the acupuncture, um, all of those things I have experience with. So I feel like I can bring that experience to the table when I'm trying to tell my clients, you know, what they can expect. I think that that's, you know, important, especially for someone in my line of work, um, to be able to have an idea of what my client has, has been through or what they're going to experience because it allows me to relate to them as well. Um, it comes back to even, you know, when I was in school again for massage therapy, we did a lot of, um, uh, partner like rotations where, you know, I'd be a therapist or, or I would be the body. Um, and part of that is, you know, so that you have an understanding of what your client is going to feel when you do a, a hip flexor release, which is really not comfortable. <laughs> but if you've never experienced that, you have no idea what to tell your client. You have no idea what to tell them to brace for. You have no idea how to instruct them to help them to get through it with the with breathing techniques or not. So I'm very big on, you know, trying things that I'm prescribing to my clients as well. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to sort of convince someone or sell someone on, on a type of therapy that is difficult to like to do when you haven't done it and you can't really talk them through. Oh, just just jump in the ice bath. It's really easy. I've seen people on Instagram do it. It's like, mm, it's not impossible, but like if you haven't done it, it's it's a real hard it's a real hard thing to do, right? And yeah, and and that's some we we did that together, didn't we? we, we yeah, got, yeah, yeah, we did. We did the ice tub thing, and I was like five years removed from it. So it was one thing in university when we were doing that daily. Your body gets a little bit used to it. That was one of the coldest. Yeah, that was cold. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was very cold. And that was a little bit different. That so that ice tub that we did was like up to the neck. But in football, you guys would only really go in up, yeah. to, up to your hips, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, legs in down to the waist. Yeah, we didn't have to submerge ourselves the way that um, we had to. We, the way we had to that night. So that would definitely make it harder. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's definitely more of like a a systemic thing like that if your ankle hurts like you're not going full i mean you 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 definitely can but that's like a systemic cold therapy and and it's a lot more meditative and like mindfulness side of things i think than the physical benefits and like there, there are certainly like lots of physical benefits of that and same as sauna which would be the opposite extreme but they're more like systemic than yeah a specific yeah, that's to a, definitely a full body approach versus if you have an isolated an isolated injury so and and along these lines, and, and I wasn't really thinking about this before, but the, the the breathing side of things. So I've always found in my experience that when clients are stretching through something or or like in the warm-up, world's greatest stretch kind of thing, for example, <clears throat> the exhale through that tight spot helps them to relax into that stretch. C- can you talk about some of the physiological reasonings behind that if 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 you can get into that and it's like why does that breathing through and it, and it might not necessarily be the stretch but even when you're massaging someone that tight part where it's like you really need to dig in and you need them to let you dig in and you need them to breathe through that instead of holding on to their breath just hold, 
Yeah, so I, I'd be lying if I if I told you I knew all the, the 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 physiology and the science behind why breathing is important. Just in like you know, in general. Um, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to put I didn't mean to put you on no, the spot. No, no, that's, yeah. okay, that's okay. That's okay. I, I just don't want to come across as as an ex as an expert. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I definitely we we know just the the benefits of of breathing from a you know when we're talking about training you know, from a, a, a stability standpoint and how uh, we're able to use that to support our core, therefore supporting our back and allowing us to, to work through uh, different movements in a safer, um, in a more safer way. When it comes to massage therapy, I find that uh, when clients are in pain, they often hold their breath, right? I don't, it may be just a defense, a defense mechanism that the body produces on its own, um, that when you're in pain, you kind of hold your breath. So when you're holding your breath, everything tenses up, right? So by exhaling, you're allowing to relieve some of that tension. Uh, when my clients are able to breathe, I'm able to work a little bit deeper into structures so we can work at, you know, more of a deeper level and not such a superficial uh, level. So breathing is definitely very important with regards to, like we're talking about pain management, um, from, from treatments to like, we're talking about even with the ice baths. Um, um, so yeah, I, I mean, it, it's key. It's, it's, it's foundational for everything. Yeah. I, I've always thought about it as like holding onto our breath is a, is a sort of a panic response. And, and this is just me like kind of talking, talking shit a little bit. I don't know that this is like physiologically, scientifically true and blah, blah, but it, it's kind of like a panic response. And so the ability to exhale instead of holding on is like a quote unquote signal to yeah. our brain and to our body that this is okay. I'm safe here. Like you can go into this range of motion or allow this, this, this pain of the, of the massage of the, of digging into those structures or whatever it is and allow this to happen because it's safe. And when we hold our breath, that's when it's like unsafe. And so we tense up the whole body tenses up and, and then yeah. it's harder to get into that position. If you, if anyone, if you're sitting down right now, like, you know, bend over and touch your toes type of thing. And then notice that you're holding your breath as you get to the end of that stretch and then exhale. And you can probably, you can probably reach a couple centimeters further. And this is a huge thing in yoga, right? In yoga classes, you always hear about breathe into the stretch. And as you breathe and you can reach and extend a little bit more. Yeah, no, definitely. When we go from a, from that, from that pain point of view, it's definitely breathing is definitely going to help break that cycle, break that cycle of tension. So uh, it's it's very important, like I said, like when I'm in my treatments for my clients to, like I said, continue breathing. I'm I'm always checking, like I'm I'm always checking if like how's the body moving, are they breathing? You know, especially when I'm working through the deeper techniques, I tell them the, the worst thing that you can do is hold your breath, because all that's going to do is is tighten everything up for me. So just nice deep ex exhales and working with their breathing while I'm working through my techniques. Right. So, so you're actually timing the way that you dig in based on the way the person's breathing. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. You, sometimes that's, that's necessary. Um, because like you said, as you exhale and you get through, uh, that release of tension, I'm able to kind of work through a muscle a little bit more. So I'll work with their breathing. Like I said, just to kind of work through a muscle to prep them for a, a specific technique or, um, to allow them to, you know, kind of give me the control to do what I want to do. Right. And, and when you do that, are you working with their, 
natural breathing pattern or is it you instructing them and it's like, okay, exhale as I do this? I'm normally working with their breathing pattern. The one thing that I might do is try to give them a cadence and that might just give them something to focus on. So breathe in for three, exhale for three. um, And that just allows them to create, you know, a little bit of a pattern for themselves. But more than anything, I'm I'm working with their breathing. I'm not, I'm, I'm, yeah, more than anything, I'm working with their breathing. Yeah, interesting. I mean, now that you say that, it seems like obvious, but 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 I didn't I didn't previously think about that, right? Like it just didn't really yeah. didn't really occur to me. But yeah, uh, yeah man, it's all, always the individual approach, right? And you're working with that client. If that client somehow breathes more shallow then you've got a you've got a role with that if they breathe deeper and like generally just like longer breaths then you can use that right and always comes back to the individualized approach no matter what 100% and then you know people don't think about when they think about breathing they don't think about the muscles that are involved in order to allow us to breathe yeah. right so someone who is what we would call an an apical breather or a chest breather you know, is going to have a lot more ten, uh, tension through their neck and kind of upper chest region because they're not able to access their diaphragm, right? So if you have full access to your diaphragm uh, or you, you're actually able to breathe through those through that muscle, then that's going to take more tension off of your neck and shoulders because we have, you, you're not using your secondary breathing muscles as well. So that's something else people don't even really think about or know, just like what muscles are actually involved that allow us to breathe right and so that's something i'm i'm also educating clients about when when needed yeah and and massively important and it seems like something that should be obvious we should all be good at breathing but mm-hmm. many people have not taken a deep breath into exactly. their belly expanding their diaphragm in maybe their entire life since they mm-hmm. were like a kid and and it's sure. not it's not an easy thing to transition to like fully breathing it's even hard to do it if you get someone laying down on a table and like okay put your hand on your belly button and what i yeah. need you to do is when you when you breathe in ex- like your belly button goes up first not your chest yeah. your belly button yeah. goes up first push your belly up and it's and it's hard for some people to do that even in a controlled setting so imagine just like on a day-to-day basis you're just taking these shallow breaths into yeah. your into your chest and and it's it's very difficult and then we all wonder why we're so shrugged up and, and, up. and tense yeah. and it's like oh it's the it's the it's the computer it's my phone and, and yes it's those things but it's also your breath and you breathe however i don't know do you, how do you know how many times we breathe in a day do you have any idea okay some people know that number yeah, I, know I know some people, but, I <laughs> but so you breathe however many times you breathe in a day and you're and you're messing stuff up and you didn't yeah. realize it right yeah i don't i do not have that number but no 100 percent. just you know that's something that you have to sometimes bring to your client's attention just in terms of you're not really using your diaphragm you, do you know that so i don't know what you're talking about so yeah. that's that's another conversation for a different time yeah yeah the, the breath has become one of the most impactful things that I think that I've started focusing on over the past like six months to a year with with clients and just breathing and even you know a story from a, from a client yesterday was you know we we did this breathing exercise and he said that and it was just kind of basic box breathing like breathing yeah. for four hold for four exhale for four and um, he said you know I used to think this stuff was like for weak people yeah. for for people like less than me he's a big tough guy like very successful businessman and blah blah and. You know, I used to think this was for weak people, but then I realized from doing it that this is for everyone and we all kind of, we all need this and it's going to impact us. And, and no matter how tough you are, you need to do this. It's the, it's the, when we talk about breathing, it's, it is the foundation for 
for everything, right? It, it's the foundation for everything. So when you, when you talk about, when you talk to a client about like, yo, your breathing sucks, like, you, you know, just straight up, like the way you breathe is not good. Like you said, you would think it's easy, but it could be, you know, something that's very hard to master because you've been breathing a certain way for, for years. So what you would think is easy could be easily become frustrating when you realize like it's hard to access your entire chain the way that it's meant to be used. So, you know, I can see a lot of people, you know, kind of, you know, like you said, like with your client kind of, you know, this is for weak people, <laughs> right? But we all we all need it, right? Like it's all it's necessary for for everybody. Yeah, it's like I, I want to bench press. Like, okay, we need to learn how to breathe first. Exactly. The, the, the bench press will be way easier when you learn how to breathe. Exactly. Yeah, man. Very good stuff. Uh, I know it's getting a little bit late, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're super busy as always. Um, before we kind of get into the ending here, let people know kind of where they can find you, how they can contact you. Whew. Well, Latouche Mobile Massage. Uh, the be- that's- maybe the, the best the best uh, way to contact you without, without giving your phone no. number. Yeah. Oh, God. No, no, no. So um, <laughs> Instagram, obviously, rlatouche.rmt. And then my website is www.latouchemobilemassage.com. So if you were to go to the website, you'll see all my information. And then there's an option there to set up an appointment. So just a basic questionnaire that'll come straight to me and then I'll contact you and we can definitely set something up. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll put that all in the show notes as well. So people can can click through and and Rashad, is it in and around Toronto and ish? So, I mean, if you live in in California, sorry, but (laughs) I stretch right now, I I'm in Durham and, and I go all the way to Mississauga. Uh, my rates change a little bit. Um, but I have clients, you know, all the way in Mississauga, I have clients in, um, uh, Bowmanville and Curtis. So, uh, it just depends on the day. Um, I get, like I'm, I'm in different sure. areas. I'm in Toronto some days, I'm in Durham some days. So in terms of when I can get to you is just kind of based off of, uh, where I am that day. So the easiest thing, like I said, to do is just to kind of fill out that questionnaire and, and I'll give you some options. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you for that. And definitely reach out to Rashad if, if you need anything, uh, if you need any, if you need massage, you need those hands on you. He's showing his hands right now for, if you're not watching the video, but <laughs> awesome stuff, man. Um, is there any, is there anything about massage in general that you would want people to know? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit at the, at the beginning, but like, you know, some common misconceptions or myths or anything like that, that you'd want to kind of squash here. I think some of the, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about massage therapists is how much we learn in school. Um, It is not just, you know, how to, you know, rub a muscle like at its, at its core, right? Uh, The massage therapist, when they're in school, the program that they're in, they're they're going into uh, anatomy, bones, joints, muscles, nerve supply. We're, we're talking about, um, different conditions, uh, scleroderma, uh, cancer, HIV, strains, sprains, all those different things and, and, and learning how to um, deal with people with each of those conditions. So uh, I just, I think the biggest thing, like I said, is just don't underestimate what the massage therapist has to go through from a schooling perspective. We're way more knowledgeable than just a relaxation massage. 
Um, and I want to give, you know, massage therapists who are in school, who are, who are practicing their credit. Cause I know firsthand how much, how much work goes into that. And, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And, and important to realize because I found myself with clients and stuff as well. It's like, that's, the, that's the biggest misconception is, mm-hmm. Oh, why would I go get a massage? That's not going to help me. It's like, well, but it will help you. Like, what did you think? what did you think was going to, I, if, if someone just needs to rub your back, I can do that. You don't, you know, like you don't need yeah. me. That's not special. There's nothing there, but there's things that I can't do both, both legally and physically and my knowledge base <laughs> exactly. that, that you need to go see a massage therapist for versus yeah. someone else. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely the biggest thing. Yeah, man. Amazing. Thank you for your time. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate this. you this having me, man. I appreciate you having me. Is there anything that else that you want to leave the people with here in closing? No, man, just, just follow Daniel, man. Follow the podcast. He's doing some great things. I, I'm, I'm honored that he was able to reach out to me and we can make this work. Um, I, I enjoy listening. And like I said, I'm, thank you for having me. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you for the shout out. I think that we've got to, uh, I wasn't going to say this on the recording, but whatever. I think we've got to get the Cafe Dell team together at we, some point. We need and, a and, Cafe Dell special. And that. we need to do and we need to do a podcast and maybe there's several beverages involved and just some some storytelling from the glory days. That would that <laughs> definitely necessary. Yeah. 100%. 100%. If, if you're listening, l- let me know if you want to hear that because we'll make it happen at some point. I don't know when or how or right. you know what, but, but we'll make it happen. <laughs> the people in that group are characters that that would be that would be a good session. Yeah, 100%. it'll be it'll be something. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah you got to make that happen. All right, man. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll, we'll close it off here. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate you listening as well. Uh, make sure you're following Rashad. Reach out to him if, you, if you're looking for massage in and around Toronto GTA. All the links to getting in touch with him will be in the show notes. Give me a follow on Instagram as well. Give the podcast a share to a friend who needs a massage or who's looking for some good information. Uh, rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, all the things. And that's it. Go take care of yourself. Go outside. Be a good person. Take it easy.